Do 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 do. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host Joe, and I'm Ryan. Some people hate on things. We try not to be that way here. In fact, we like to be the champions of the underrated. So, bandwagoners, mm-hmm. be warned. We're about to defend Spider-Man Three and Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man. Full spoilers ahead for both films. Zooming into our medium shot now from our extreme long shot. Tell me, Ryan, what's your history with these two films? I uh, grew up on the Tobey Maguire movies. I think the original Spider-Man was one of the first ones I saw in theaters. Pretty sure from earliest memory that I, that I can remember. And uh, I remember, I don't even remember if I saw Spider-Man 2 or 3 in theaters. I must have. I just remember hearing how bad Spider-Man 3 was. And then I went to see it. Even at a young age, I was like, it's not as bad as people say, but there is some cringy parts. And then I heard they were remaking, um, or they were recasting Spider-Man, and I distinctly remember talking about it in, in my, uh, in, like, my cousin's car on the way to a wedding, and we're talking about who was going to be in it, and it was Andrew Garfield. He was kind of an unknown at the time, uh, besides Social Network, and maybe a few other things, and there was, like, high hopes for it didn't watch Amazing Spider-Man in the theaters, and then I heard, I think I saw it on Netflix or something, I was like, yeah, this is pretty decent, didn't watch the second one in theaters, because I heard that was dog water, and uh, yeah, that's my relationship between the two. Actually, you, you just called to mind a memory of mine from 2007 or so, I, I don't remember the day or anything, but um. So I was in school, and my parents came to the school, and they called the office up, and they're like, oh, yeah, come down to the office. Your parents are here. I'm like, oh, what the heck is this about? This is just a random day. I'm like, what are my parents doing here? Why am I being called down? I'm scared. And they're like, hey, we're taking you and uh, your brother out of school to go watch Spider-Man 3 this afternoon. We're like, yes, please. Let's do that. Because my brother and I grew up on the Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi ones. Those were kind of our formative superhero movies as a child. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the two things I remember most as a child that got me into superheroes were Adam West Batman and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 is one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters. I remember seeing that one at the drive-in, and that was a great experience. Spider-Man 3, we saw at the theater that day, and we even got a cool little poster for it, which I still have somewhere. So, yeah, I remember really liking it at the time. I mean, I was nine, not as much of a critic back in those days. I liked most movies. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a pretty good time then, and I've only come to appreciate it more since, and we'll get into that. Now, The Amazing Spider-Man, like you said, there I remember even back then there was controversy for, for that movie because reboots weren't really a thing. They were just starting to be a thing. Everyone mm-hmm. was more excited for a Spider-Man 4 than a new Spider-Man completely from the ground up. It wasn't just a recast. It was a full-on reboot with that guy from the social network. <laughs> like you said, that was pretty much all he was known <laughs> for at the time. And we're like... Eh, okay. Yeah, whatever. But it's a Spider-Man movie. And, you know, the there was MC- a meme. There was a who- meme going around. Uh, there was a meme going around when the MCU rebooted and Tom Holland was coming in. 
there was like, if I have to see um, Uncle Ben get shot again, I'll do it myself. That's what the memes were. <laughs> That's what meme I saw that was going around. Yeah, I can understand that sentiment. But yeah, so we're going into this thing. We're like, well, it's another Spider-Man reboot. And who knows if this MCU thing will get off the ground. <laughs> the Avengers is... I think the Avengers just came out that year around the same time. So we're like, who knows if this thing's even going to still work. Yeah. So we were willing to give it a shot. This was back when Sony still had a fair size of the superhero market in terms of box office. This was like anybody's game at this point. 2011, 2012 was a strange time for comic book movies, if you don't remember. But yeah, I actually came out of that movie loving it. I remember thinking at the time, oh wow, this is on par with the original one. I'm like, it's just as good as the Tobey Maguire one. I've since, and then I dipped on that statement when the movie started getting a little less popular in the public consciousness. I sort of shrunk back inside myself and I'm like, eh, it's not as good as I remember, I guess, because I was just being a bandwagoner there. and. Then I came around on it again, and I still don't think it's as good as the original Spider-Man's, but I've come to appreciate it a whole lot more. So that brings us to our close-up, and we're going to get into Spider-Man 3 first, because we may as well do this chronologically, right? Might as well. Uh, Before we get into our notes, I want to read my brother's notes that he sent me this morning about why he thinks this is a great movie. Because my brother Luke, this is him and his best friend. They basically only ever discuss Star Wars and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. They call it the Holy Trilogy. This is their thing. And <laughs> it's, it's one of his pride and joys in life. And he is the first person I went to and thought of when I thought, okay, I need, a, I need some points for a Spider-Man 3 defense. Luke, give me what you got. So his points were... Number one, the emo Peter Parker scenes are meant to be comedic. The symbiote enhances the characters of its host and is aggressive. Peter is a nerdy guy, so it simply just makes him aggressively nerdy. He obviously realizes the severity of the situation after he hits MJ at the jazz club, and that's when the dancing and comedy gag is up. Two, Sandman isn't a bad guy. He's just someone in a bad situation. Despite his lack of screen time, he's one of the more complex, quote, villains because of his love for his daughter. He doesn't like being bad because it, quote, feels good. Sorry, Venom. Also, Peter forgiving Flint at the end is a beautiful send-off for Sandman and really encompasses what Spider-Man should be. Also, probably the hardest thing Spider-Man had to do in the three movies was forgive the man who killed the biggest influence in his life. 3. Before the end fight where Toby takes out the classic suit from under his bed and you hear the Danny Elfman theme, an all-time great movie scene. 4. Harry Osborn and Spider-Man teaming up after the movie-long feud is heartwarming and his death is depressing. Aside from the amnesia bit, I like Harry's character arc through the trilogy and this movie. Norman died at the hand of his own glider trying to kill Peter, and Harry died at the hands of his own glider trying to save Peter. 5. The scene where MJ and Peter are at dinner and Peter plans to propose is an incredibly written and acted scene. So funny, sad, and really shows Peter's flaws. Watch it if you haven't in a while. 6. J. Jonah Jameson What makes a movie good is that it makes you feel emotion. Spider-Man 3 can make you feel happy, sad, funny, awkward, hopeful, and everything in between. 
Yes, it has its flaws, but every movie does. The movie shouldn't be seen as a gold standard for the trilogy, but with so many great scenes and themes, it should be a worthy conclusion to what is the Holy Trilogy. Thanks, Luke, for your contribution. Yeah, we'll either break that mm. down at our own points and now. Interesting, interesting. I don't see any defense for Topher Grace. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think he, you could if you tried. But yeah, that's very well said. Good, on, good job, Luke. Is pretty much most of the things I would have said from it as well. I think the um, opening to Spider-Man 3 is really good. When uh, where Peter is finally seeing MJ's performance in the theater, and then you see yeah. Harry and makes the, it on time finally. A- yeah, makes it on time. You see Harry in the Abe Lincoln seats, looking down <laughs> at Peter. Um, what too soon? And uh, you see Harry and Pete, uh, Harry chasing Peter throughout that alleyway. Oh, wait, a don't forget the early. Don't forget the funniest part when he goes after the play. Peter gives her the little flower and Harry got her a whole bouquet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen this. I rewatched all um, some of these movies before seeing No Way Home. Just to get myself familiar, but I forgot about that. But that chase scene is, I think it's really... Um, it's cool. It really brings you like into the movie. It's great. You know, it's Spider-Man and... Um, the Green Goblin. And uh, the Green Goblin without their mask most of the time. and. A little bit of, you know, early-ish CGI stuff, but I think it worked pretty well for the time. I you, think the, uh, Probably one of the hardest hits I've seen in the film where Harry just slams his face into a pipe. That hurts me still. It's very... You oh. feel that hit in the pipe. What you I like I think about... I did see this movie in theaters. Now I think about it. Yeah, your mind's gone back to 2007 and remembered. Yeah. Just seeing the gonk and being like, oh! One thing I liked about that scene is... The the image I remember most of it was when Aunt May gives Peter her wedding ring to give to Mary Jane, and Peter nearly loses the ring during the fight. He spends a lot of the oh, fight yeah. trying to fight Harry, but he's also trying to not lose this wedding ring. So that's I, so like that's so comic booky. I love it. Yeah, that's that's just great. So I think there's a lot of interesting symbolic meaning there Mm -hmm. this fight with harry he's losing his friend and he's also losing the ring which is obviously symbolic of his love with mary jane which is kind of on the decline the whole movie because he's so up his own ass this movie he doesn't see that everything around him is falling apart he's kind of high on the glory Mm -hmm. of being spider-man he's got these public ceremonies in his honor now people generally tend to like him except jameson still He's getting kisses from Gwen Stacy. He's just people really like him, but he doesn't see that Mary Jane played by a very, uh, very early on Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Stacy. Yeah. And she was really good in this movie. We can probably get to Mm -hmm. her a little more later, but to finish my point, he doesn't realize that Mary Jane is struggling, uh, in her, uh, acting career. She gets fired from her play, and he doesn't really even notice. Harry is basically turned against him entirely and is gone full-on villain. He also doesn't really notice. I think there's a subplot where Aunt May is going to get foreclosed on the house because she can't pay her bills anymore, and he barely notices that, that either. That is a, to me, that's a very emotional scene where Aunt May tries to give... 20 She's bucks. Yeah. By, by the garage or something, there's boxes or whatever, and she gives him some money. 
And Peter's just like, I can't take this from you. And then she's like, yes, you can. Like, she's getting mad at this point. Like, you take it. Like, I'll be fine. Yeah. And I was just like, damn. But he doesn't notice There's a lot of this. There's great scenes in this movie. Yeah, plenty of fantastic. There's great scenes in this movie. Yeah. So what I like about all that, like, bringing it back to Harry and Peter, is that he's he's losing it. <laughs> Even though all these, like, mm-hmm. things are finally going right for Peter Parker for... It's very rare in Spider-Man's life for things to be going right. And you know if things are going right, it's just before a massive fall. So at the beginning of the movie, he starts off high on life, everything's perfect, but he doesn't realize his entire supporting cast is failing around him. And he's not, as much as he's being there for New York City as Spider-Man, he's failing the people around him as Peter Parker. And that reality slaps him upside the head not too long into the movie when Harry attacks him, uh, manipulates MJ into breaking up with him. Uh, the, and then all these new villains come to town and he gets that symbiote, which just enhances all the aggressiveness that's already inside him from all these things going wrong and just turns him into the worst version of himself. And that's basically what Spider-Man... Which is another... That's another great scene, the symbiote, just the animation of it and how it looks so real. Yeah. I don't really know how they did it because I want to say it's CG, but I also feel like it might be a mix of practical as well. But I also don't want to know how they did it because it does look so real in the scene. I bet it's 100% CG. I'm willing to take I that bet, bit. Yeah. Which, let's talk about fantastic CG again for a minute, because another fantastic scene in this movie is the creation of Sandman, when he goes into that particle accelerator collider thing and gets turned into dust. What a brilliant scene. Think think about this. If you told someone who was born today, hey, there is a three to four minute scene of a supervillain being born, he has no dialogue... And his main objective in the scene is just to get a picture of his daughter. To hold the locket uh, in his hand. Just Can to he hold do that? It, just to hold it. Do you think that would be a scene that happened in 2007? Most no. people would probably say no. I want to see Thor hit something with a hammer. I, I, I want to wanna... see Thor call Mjolnir a dog. I want, I want comedy. It's not funny enough. I want com- it's not funny. I just remember seeing that in theaters and being like, wow. This is my mind. My, I'm too young to comprehend <laughs> what the emotions are, but I feel something. It's just, it's a brilliant scene. And I think there's a few, th- there's one thing I don't like about Sandman. And that's just because they kind of retcon some of the stuff that happens in the first movie. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a creative decision. So I can look past it a little bit and as it far works as, with the Sandman character a little bit. As far as retcons go, I've seen a lot worse. I think. To me, mm-hmm. you know, this is in defense of, so, you know, we got to take some of the big criticisms and try to defend them a little bit if we can. That one, I'd say they wanted this to be a big emotional payoff for the trilogy. And for Peter Parker, you really can tap into his aggressive emotions by going after mm-hmm. his whole, his origin story in the first place. If you rewrite the death of Uncle Ben and make it so that the guy who actually pulled the trigger is still out there. When Peter's in this aggressive mindset, how's he going to handle that? Now that he has all these powers and he's been Spider-Man for a long time and he's kind of worked through some stuff, what's he do now? And this story says that in this aggressive mindset, he basically goes for straight up murder for revenge. 
Yeah. When he tracks Sandman down to, to, be, the, to the train station and then, like, holds his head up against yeah. the train, makes tries to make him suffer, uh, makes him go into the sewers and just lets him wash away. Mm-hmm. He, he basically Sandman's, tries to murder him. Sandman's a good villain to have uh, for Angry Spider-Man because it's... I'm pretty sure it's written in the comics where Spider-Man pulls his punches a lot because the actual strength and weight Spider-Man could punch like a regular human would kill him. That's how yeah. strong Spider-Man is. Yeah, yeah. So to have that happen to uh, Sandman where he's literally going through Sandman in like every like orifice of his body and to be in defense of the retcon a little bit, they sort of retcon it again near the end of the film where he's like, I didn't technically pull the trigger. The burglar kind of ran into my hand or ran to my arm, which made me pull the trigger. So there is an argument to be made there that the original killer did kill him. But, you know, other than that, um, yeah, crazy to think that they got that Uncle Ben actor to come back for Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah, those were those were new scenes, weren't they? Yeah, because what is that like six years later? Yeah, that's insane. Because yeah, it was, came out in 2001, I believe, yeah. 2002. And the oh, 2002, Spider-Man yeah. 3 was 2007. I mean, it was five years, so that was still a big enough gap. That's, that's, yeah. That's before MCU just did it with every movie. Yeah. You know, which is just, very, it's very impressive. Um, which, like my brother said in the end, that's one of the best like emotional it. moments of it is when he finally becomes the good Peter Parker again and is being a hero, and then he finally... The trilogy ends with him forgiving Ant Man, uh, Sandman, and moving on. And he forgives Harry too, just before Harry dies. And that's a very emotional moment too. Mm-hmm. They're watching the sunrise together as he's bleeding out. And one thing I appreciate about Spider Man Three is that it had the guts to end on a really somber note. That yeah, Harry, Harry died. Sandman kind of just faded off. Peter forgave him. Um, and the end is just him and Mary Jane having a dance at um, at a club somewhere where he goes to find her. At a club find he her. punched her in? Yeah, they're just having a slow <laughs> dance together. And when I was a kid, I was always like, why don't you end it more yeah. fun like in the first two with him swinging around the city fun. and more hopeful mm-hmm. or whatever. And now as an adult, I'm more like, that's gutsy to end your trilogy on a somber yeah. note. Like, okay, you thought you were getting a fourth one. Sure, but that is the end of the trilogy now. And it ends on a downer. I think this movie this movie is a great example of when there's too much studio interference. There's a famous story, I think, uh, one of the producers, Ari Aster, or I can't remember Ari, his last name. Ari uh, of Arad. Is it Arad? Ari Arad. He really wanted Venom to be in in number three and sam raimi sam raimi famously does not like uh venom as a character so there's some part of the fan base think that he made venom not too great in this movie just to say fuck it but also he doesn't really like venom so i don't he probably wouldn't want to try to make venom a good character in this movie he wanted but you know what i'll argue i'll argue in defense of eddie brock now you said it can't be done i'm gonna try i think for comic purists this is a bad adaptation of Venom. Mm-hmm. For this movie and people who don't know about Venom or what Venom's supposed to be like, I think they set it up okay. Hotshot new reporter, uh, photographer, comes to town. He, he's dating the police captain's daughter. Spider-Man shows him up, tries to steal away Gwen Stacy's affections. He 
tries to impress her through, you know, through getting more money from photography, getting a stable job, like Peter did in, er, earlier on, basically with Mary Jane, is basically what he did for his origin story. He was just trying to impress the girl however he could. But Eddie Brock's the dark parallel to that, where he did it by uh, photoshopping and faking his credentials. And then Peter, mm-hmm. but Peter outs him for it, ruins his reputation, makes his girlfriend break up with him, basically. And so he, he wrecks his life and his reputation. And just when he's at his lowest point, he gets that symbiote, which increases his aggressiveness. So, of course, he wants to hurt Peter and Spider-Man. And I think Topher Grace plays it well. I mean, he's not playing a good Eddie Brock as I know Eddie Brock. No. But he's Everybody playing... Everybody who's... And this is trying the best to what they're given. Yeah, But he's playing a decent antagonist for this movie. I think he's definitely shoehorned in there. Uh, it he, should... Yeah. But the, Sam, the Raimi, Sam Raimi is, was just... I don't, I don't think Sam Raimi was yeah. intentionally trying no, to I ruin anything. No, I think Sammy... But, yeah. I just find it, I think it's funny to think that he was like, I'm going to make one of the most beloved Spider-Man villains shitty. <laughs> I know he, he like him himself wouldn't do that because he's a very talented filmmaker. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's so tough because I am a Venom fanboy. And I think the mm. best Venom that we've seen to date so far is from the show Spectacular Spider-Man. If anybody's seen it, I think that arc is really well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's. It's 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 so good. It's I can't even talk about it in this because it's it should be one of those things where it should be like a whole podcast about. We'll but definitely basically talk about what it. the basically what the spectacular Spider-Man was is the show that they made before Disney bought the rights to some of the Spider-Man stuff, and they had to cancel that show because they had the they had bought the rights for the uh, Spider-Man like TV shows, the animated ones, but not that particular project. So they just had to cancel it all together, which is kind of sad. But it's acclaimed to be one of the best Spider-Man shows or media of all time. And yeah, it is. I think it's perfect. I think it's got the best uh, voice actor for Peter Parker. It's really good. Some of the villain, it's on par. I don't want to say it's on par, but just because I watched it more, it's almost on par with Batman the Animated Series. Just how they treat uh, each person's um, origin story and um, the source material respectfully very well. I honestly yeah. think it's on par. All right. I don't know if that's a that's a hot take or controversial or he said what he said. Probably not. Probably. Hopefully, not. It's, it's pretty beloved. I think ba- I think Batman's still a great. It's it's way better. It's way better. I'm just saying it's on par. Okay. Now, can I counter you for in defending Venom again? Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. I will counter a little bit and just say this movie would have been a lot better. If they didn't have full on Venom in the third act, I think the setup with like Peter having the symbiote and going black suit Spider-Man that carried this movie, that was all handled really well. Even Eddie Brock's setup, well, not traditional Eddie Brock was a decent setup for a villain, but having him get that symbiote Mm -hmm. or even, even having him get it was okay. But having him go full on Venom and be a villain to fight in the third act of the movie that's where it went too far for me. Yeah. But, this, but the setup was all decent. I don't, I don't mind. Like, I, I love that the symbiote was a huge plot point in the movie. It was mm-hmm. like seeing black suit Spider-Man is awesome. So for this version of uh, Venom. Yeah. It's, it's great buildup. I think because of just how 
uh, the character is on, on its own, and how his hatred toward Peter and then hatred toward Spider-Man becomes well-known because I think, what is it in this movie that makes him hate Spider-Man? Is it because he saves Gwen and now Gwen's just obsessed with Spider-Man and not him anymore? That I was the that's first, what it is? Well, that was the first thing, and then also Peter ruined his reputation. Right, gotcha, so. yeah. Which I also think, and it's she was supposed to be a major, more major character in Spider-Man 4. I think Gwen Stacy is very underused in, in this movie, but she wasn't really supposed yeah. to be. But for the scenes that she's in, again, not fully comic book accurate, but she does a pretty decent job, Bryce Dallas Howard. And, oh, yeah, she's okay. You know, I mean, she, yeah. she... I mean, you could argue it was a contrived thing, but, you know, to put a wedge between uh, Mary Jane and Peter, because, I mean, Harry mm-hmm. was... Harry was trying to lure her away, which wasn't super hard considering she was already very flirtatious with Gwen Stacy. And Gwen, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and then there's that great scene at the at the club just before uh, he hits Mary Jane when he has that whole sexy dance routine with Gwen Stacy. And then doesn't he bring her to the club? Yeah, he yeah, he brings, brings her to, her to the club. Br- I'm pretty sure while MJ is singing, and he has that whole dance routine with her. And it's really central. And then at the end of it, Gwen Stacy runs away and she's like, wait, that was all for her. Yeah. It's really weird because Gwen Stacy in this movie is just kind of played off as kind of just like the everyday like pretty girl or pretty girl next door. Well, that's MJ. Now that I think about it. But she's a model. She's just a like model, everyday pretty girl. This movie. She's a yeah, she's a model, but she's in the same college classes of of uh, Peter, I'm pretty sure. But in the comics, she's on par with Peter and in some ways smarter than Peter in the school classroom. But, you know, this is a different yeah. version, a different universe, so yeah, and this you couldn't really have them. In this version, she's a model and in, like, whatever mm-hmm. genius classes Peter's in. In the comic book, she's a little more... Because like, you can be both, lo- right? She's like a model more, yeah. and a genius. <laughs> she's more low-key and nerdy and, yeah, like yeah. Peter. Which is why I always liked them together. I always thought mm-hmm. Gwen and... Uh, also, for all the... If you don't like this movie, this is the most quotable of all the three. In terms of memes and oh, jokes. Oh, yes. Want this forgiveness? This is the most quotable... Want forgiveness? Yeah. Get religion. I'm gonna throw some dirt in your eye. What's wrong? Little Gobby Jr. Gonna cry? <laughs> You'll get your rent when you fix this damn door! Uh, let's see. What's what are more? It's the most quotable, easily. I just sent that meme the other day to to somebody. Uh. To, you get your rent when you fix this damn door. Oh, it's my. It was um, I sent it to Justin because our boss like mm-hmm. there's this door that doesn't work at the shop, and I sent it to Justin. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is what I'm gonna send to that's the boss. Funny. Oh, that's another pissing thing. me another off. I have to like... lift it by hand. Like it's a garage door. I gotta lift by hand all yeah. the time. Like, ah, oh, get it I love how Tobey Maguire plays the cocky black suit Peter, uh, especially when he flirts with the um, landlord's daughter, like in the hallway while on the yeah. phone with, I Ursula. think, MJ or. He's it's like, she's feeding like, him milk and cookies. cookies are great. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. I, th- I honestly like, I guess for the time, because people coming off of Spider-Man 2, it was probably, it was one of the greatest. Um, superhero movies of all time it's still probably up there for a lot of people i think it is for me so then when they got this really jumbled third act together they're a little disappointed 
But even the third act, some of the action is really good. Like, all the effects for Sandman is really good. And you see how it basically pioneered a lot of um, particle physics for visual effects. In 2007, some of the stuff looks really good. That was the first thing that they made engines for that could do the individual sand particles and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. There was a bit about yeah. that in the ILM documentary, I, wasn't there? A little bit, yeah. Probably, yeah. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I think remember. that was they re- they re- they create they create so many things. <laughs> that last act, though, there's so many moments that I love. Though I like Harry's death when he gets mm-hmm. hit with his own glider. I like the the bit when the symbiotes in the in the metal bars and that Peter stabs the metal yeah, bars that's to a the good, concrete yeah. and he beats it with sound. And there's no music. There's no music during that part. It's just all from the sounds of the bars. It's a really well done, I think, sound design moment as well. Yeah. Uh, or that I think part. Th- the only thing I wish, I just wish Venom would stop pulling his face back to let Eddie talk. I wanted Venom to speak more. But maybe there was like a CGI budget where they couldn't really do it. No, that was Sam Raimi being like, we don't need to animate this every time. This is, <laughs> this is going to get expensive. This and is I just don't want to. Exhausting. The other moments I like, like, the, like the moment of dread, I think, is done really well when Venom's got Peter's throat uh, grabbed by the web. And Sandman's beating the crap out of him on the beam. And then the, in, the entire audience down below is watching. And J. Jonah Jameson's got that camera that he stole from the little girl for a couple bucks. And she's like, Brilliant. films, like, films yeah. extra. <laughs> and he's shaking his fist at And her. he's just kind of like, he's, he's, yeah, he's like all, so mad. But I feel like you can see a little twinkle in his eye where he's like, not I bad. Like, I <laughs> like, I'm going to hire you. I respect that. <laughs> but yeah, just the films dre- extra. This dreadful moment, everyone is at their lowest, and then that pumpkin bomb goes into Sandman's face, and I, I still get yeah. elated every time. And then Peter and Harry finally working together in costume as heroes for the first time in the trilogy. That moment feels so earned to me. I just and you I, hear the score, you're like, "Let's go!" I feel it every time. Just and also <laughs> the uh, the moment just before the fight, like my brother said, when he finally, after the whole movie of being in the black suit that Danny Elfman's score swells and he pulls the old costume out from under his bed mm. and he like runs across the American flag as everybody's cheering for, as he gets to the site to save Mary Jane. There is so much American flag stuff in the Sam Raimi uh, universe. It's really funny. You know what? I'm not even American, but it works. It's just, it pumps it works, you up. Yeah. I think that's one of the, well, the reason for that, I remember because spider-man the very first one came out after 9-11 and then there was there's that famous yeah. new york scene where it's like you mess with one of us mess with all of us and that was a very that's a very good scene for the for the time and just for all time as well so then yeah. i think he tried to replicate that in the later on movies and you know it works to some dis- not, not so much in spider-man 3 but in spider-man 2 there's the scene when doc ox fighting nearly kills peter on the train and everybody stands in his way it doesn't work, but I like the sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> this one is more, oh they're God. all there in spirit. Danny Elfman is married to Bridget Fonda? Wow. Huh. The more you know. So, oh yeah. But, and can I also say that you said it's quotable, but I also just have to say the memes that came from this movie made it worth making alone. Oh I yeah. S- I see Billy Maguire pop up everywhere. Everywhere. I seen a couple really funny ones. The last two that made mm-hmm. me really laugh were um, 
Bully Maguire slaps Chris Rock at the Oscars. That was a that was a good one. Uh, and also, Bully Maguire does that dance at the dance scene with Wednesday Adams in the Wednesday Show. It's a do. It's That's a bu- funny. I haven't Magu- seen those. Bully Maguire and Wednesday dancing together. Those are the last mm. two that were really well. And done. the whole thing about the whole thing about Bully Maguire, I think, works really well. Is when he actually hits MJ. He's shocked that he did that himself. He was like, "I have no idea, like, who I am anymore." That was and the he turning point. Goes, yeah. And for even if Sam Raimi hates Venom, he does the Spider-Man gets rid of the symbiote scene very well. Goes up to the clock tower. There's that one shot where he, you hear the loud bang and you see the symbiote like get away from his face a bit. Screeching. That's really well done. It's dri- It's dripping on Eddie Brock really well. I, it's a well, it's a well done scene. There's a lot. I can name more iconic. We just have named more iconic scenes and moments in that movie than like the last mm-hmm. couple of years of the MCU for me, or even most superhero movies. Yeah, I just, they they're not. What I'll say about Spider-Man Three was maybe it was considered lower tier superhero movie in 2007, coming off the back of two of the best ever made, Spider-Man One and Two. But looking back after the last 16 years of superhero movies, most of them feel dull and uninspired and repetitive and rinse and repeat. This actually has um, visual flair to it. Sam Raimi may not have cared that much about Venom, but he definitely gave a damn about this world and making the best movie possible. So no, it's not the best Spider-Man movie. It's not, you know, I don't even know if it would crack my top five, but there's definitely more love and care put into this than most superhero movies ever made it's say your top five go <laughs> i gotta get my list up one sec <laughs> i have a list just just give me a minute uh, i think mine would be spider-man one uh wait how many spider-man movies have there been oh yeah spider-man one actually wait hold on okay my top just five i grew up with this Actually, you say yours, I might agree with it. Okay, my top five. Five, Homecoming. Four, No Way Home. Three, Spider-Man 1. Two, Into the Spider-Verse. One, Spider-Man 2. Okay, so all of my top five are in there. But just switched (laughs) around. So we agree there. It's a little switched around. I just have to restructure it because I am a Tobey Maguire fanboy. It's Homecoming, Spider-Man 1. No Way Home, Spider-Man 2, Into the Spider-Verse. I just think Into the Spider-Verse is such a great... It's just, I I went into Spider-Verse not knowing what was going to happen. And I went to see with my buddy Taylor. And I walked out being like, this is so good. Like, it's insane how good it was. And it's hard to put No Way Home above Spider-Man 1 because you can't have No Way Home without the original spider-mans but i think it's just a great amalgamation of what spider-man is as a character and it finally showed great action in my opinion from the tom holland version of spider-man like uh some channel said it year um in their video that they made like a year ago or something they said you how people like of our generation went back and looked at how the subway scene in Spider-Man 2 is iconic. Yeah. They'll look back and see that the condo scene from No Way Home, where it's Spider-Man versus Green Goblin, that will also be iconic. That's an amazing fight. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a great build-up yeah. is what I think is more important even. I'm so excited for Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, we're not going to spoil No Way Home here. I mean, if you're watching a Spider-Man video, you've no. probably seen it, but we didn't you've tell you seen top, it. So You've seen it. Condo fight's great. I th- didn't make I think the Avatar, the new Avatar movie just passed No Way Home, I think domestically for a box office. Somehow I'm not surprised, but I also don't know how. Watch our Avatar thing. You'll, you'll see our thoughts. <laughs> but uh, Word of mouth. My yeah, number, word so of mouth hasn't been, cro- is word of mouth really that great? I haven't met anybody I've, who's seen it and loved it that much in real life. I don't know. Everybody I, I know has been Maybe they just seen, with- like, reading reviews online. Are the reviews even God, being I can't that? Believe- I want to I wanna fast forward to June so bad just to watch Across the Spider-Verse. I'm so excited. It was supposed to be Because I saw a little teaser where year. you saw, where I saw, um... The video game version of Spider-Man is in the background somewhere, like he's wearing the suit. Oh, yeah. I'm really hoping he's an actual character in the movie, because that'd be really cool. But also, Hmm. I don't want it to be just like, I don't want it to be Cameo City, but I I still want it to be on par as uh, the other Spider-Man movie. Yeah, It just showed that movie. I know that we're not talking about Into the Spider-Verse, because what else can you say about it besides it's almost perfection? But it really showed that anybody can be the character Spider-Man. Literally anybody. It doesn't have to be Peter Parker. Um, yeah. I think Miles Morales is a very amazing character. Yeah, as long Pun as intended. they've got the... Uh, <laughs> you know what else is amazing? The amazing Spider-Man. Sorry, I had a good yeah. transition earlier. Look, when we were talking about oh, Gwen Stacy... Oh, my Sta- bad. When we were talking about Gwen Stacy... I was, I I was going to do that too, but I it was way too early. I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, I, I do like Peter and Gwen Stacy together, and it's a lot better in The Amazing Spider-Man even than... Okay, it's ruined. Me and you, me and you had it. the same thought. I know, but I'm like, we still Me and you had the say. exact same thought, but then I saw the time, and we were only 20 minutes in, and I was like, I know, oh, there's like, more to say. I know, it's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> it's way but too the, soon. I'm we like, brought up Gwen. That's my bad. Bad. I probably like, going way too early. Do we transition now? <laughs> no. Oh man. Okay. But yeah, Spider-Man Three. Go watch it. It's pretty good. Go into it thinking it's terrible, and you will be surprised. <laughs> You'll be surprised. Go into it. Watch the last couple of years of Marvel movies first, and then go into it, <laughs> and you'll appreciate it. That's what I'll say. That's so All right. true. All right. So now on to the Amazing Spider-Man. So, What's with notes from other people? What is this? <laughs> you know what? I just, I figured, get the super fans to have their say. Because like the last one, my brother's one of the biggest Spider-Man 3 fans I know. Justin mm-hmm. is one of the biggest amazing Spider-Man fans I know. And he didn't give me as much of a detailed blurb as my brother did, but I'll just go over his points quickly. I, I like his first one. Emma Stone. Because Emma Stone. She's brilliant. Okay, that's it. That's the their, that's the end defense. Their their chemistry together, and of course they dated in real life after this, and this is how yeah. they met. But it's just so good. It's like I don't know how. Like I, I don't get it. Like <laughs> it's so good that it's just it's preposterous coming off of some other just movies where they try to force relationships, but this one feels so natural, and you feel that there's a little bit of a history there. They. 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the rest of his things quick, and then we can okay, yeah, skip yeah, yeah. back to it, and then I'll I'll talk about Gwen Stacy too. Uh, he said Emma Stone because Emma Stone comic accurate take. Andrew Garfield's a different take on Peter Parker, but in a good way. Uncle Ben has done very well. Peter throws scenes he liked. Uh, Peter throws Flash when Flash is actually being nice. The web building scene mm-hmm. when he's in the sewer. Uh, Peter sneaks into Gwen's house, then has dinner. The crane scene is cool, especially in comparison with the cops at the beginning who treat him as a criminal. And he did have other thoughts that he didn't send me a note, but I'll just kind of blend them with my own as we go. So going back to uh, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy here, her chemistry with Andrew Garfield carries this entire Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Mm. It's the thing, when I go back to these movies, that's what I think about, is the love story between... Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. They are one of, if not the best superhero coupling in any of these movies yeah. for the last 50 years. Like, I can't think of really many any better. I mean, there's a couple I really like, like uh, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder or Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. But I think Andrew Garfield Chris, and Emma Chris, Stone. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Stormbreaker. <laughs> oh yes, of course. <laughs> of course, that's one of the all-time greats. Why does he have a relationship with objects? <laughs> I mean, with me and ear, him and me and ear are an all-time love story. <laughs> oh, okay. Rocket and me Bucky's and ar- Rocket and Bucky's arm, another great mm-hmm. love story. Steve and, and Bucky, his PlayStation Vita, or whatever he's playing on. <laughs> Steve and Bucky. Yeah, I said it. Stephen Bucky's relationship is better than most actual relationships in the MCU. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, but yeah, these are an all-time great, and I'd recommend going in mm-hmm. the Amazing Spider-Man just to see these two play off each other because they're yeah. so good. They're so. I mean, they're definitely they're a highlight here, but they're a for sure highlight and a breath of fresh air in the second movie as well. They're they're still amazing with each other. We were gonna. I suggested defending the second movie in this as well, just so we could do the trifecta of shot on Spider-Man movies. And Ryan was like, no, I'm not defending number two. I'm not doing it. And I'm like, I tried okay. watching it a while ago and I fell asleep. So I'm like, okay, but I will say, grain of salt. what I will say, we can bring it up. To, we can yeah. bring it up. I've changed my mind. <laughs> you know what? We're going to, we're going to spoil it. I'm just gonna telling you, we're going to spoil it because it's bad anyway. Don't watch it on this in defense. Don't. But what I will say is going back to Emma Stone, the most memorable scene in that movie is the death of Gwen Stacy, hands down. It's a fantastic scene. Yep. It's an all-time great classic moment in these superhero movies. And even in a movie as derided as Spider-Man 2, that moment was so good, it informed Andrew Garfield's entire character arc in No Way Home. They took the worst mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie and made it into one of the biggest dramatic payoffs in one of the best Spider-Man movies, which was another gutsy move that I appreciate. But that moment and the subsequent moments in No Way Home would not have hit so hard if Emma Stone wasn't freaking brilliant at everything. Yeah, for sure. And even right before her death, where she first runs into the scene and you see um, Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man like freak out. Like he's being so emotive without, you can't see his face at all. So he's so emotive physically as Spider-Man. Here's how I always pictured it. Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker. Um, Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man. And Tom Holland is the best mixture of both. That's I how think, I view it. I think the same exactly. And yeah. that's why Andrew Tom Holland is my favorite, just because 
He's got yeah. that best blend. Technically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, he's just, he has the best, he actually quips in this movie. Um, Tom Holland quips a little bit, but some of the best quips that Tom Holland Spider-Man has are in deleted scenes for some reason. Wow. And, like, there's a, there's a scene in, um, Far From Home where he's in the Stark suit, and I think burglars or robbers or whatever, they're at the banquet at the beginning of the scene, and there's amazing quips that Tom Holland's using. And they cut it out for some reason. I, I don't. You should look it up later. It's hmm. pretty. It's pretty good quips. But these are probably the best quips ever written for Spider-Man in the Amazing Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield does it so well. The problem. I know this is an in defense, but the thing is, I know it's a little bit more modernized. But he doesn't look like or act like a nerd. And okay, I I had about it because he I had a defense. Like of this he ready goes to around go. on this. He goes around on a skateboard, like, throughout all of school. He plays kind of, like, a more punk rock kid, but also who's really smart. And the bullies just bully him just to bully him a little bit. Now, saying that, Andrew plays it very well. And he is a little bit more quiet to himself as Peter. And then when he's Spider-Man, he can finally be himself and be more quippy and funny whenever. It gives him the confidence to actually talk to Gwen Stacy when he goes to... Uh, her apartment or whatever. But okay, what were you so going to say? I was going to say that thing that he's not nerdy enough is the chief complaint I've heard about this movie over the years. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of a... Honestly, I've always found it to be a bit of a nitpicky complaint, especially when nobody else can... They always say this movie is not great or not among very good Spider-Man movies, and that's one of the few things I hear about it, and I'm like, okay, but like, what are other complaints about the movie? Uh, but, like, it is a valid point, but I will say my defense of that him not being cool enough is, to me, when Spider-Man was first introduced, and even all the way up to the Tobey Maguire movies, there was a very specific societal expectation for what a nerd should be like. They're quiet, socially awkward, shy people who are into things the vast majority of people aren't into, and they're a little bit ashamed of that. Maybe just because, okay, well, if, if I like it and it's not cool, should I even like this thing? Uh, I'm kind of being ostracized because I like these things. But then you get to the 2010s. You know, this movie came out 2011, 2012. The Big Bang Theory was on the air. Societal perception of nerds was changing in general. And by that point, being nerdy was still a bit of a socially outcasting thing, but it was more, nerds were a little more comfortable in their own skin. So on the one hand, he's a little, like, quote-unquote, too cool, but he's like what nerds were in 2011, mm -hmm. 2012 kind of era. Just, okay, I'm a socially outcast, I'm a social outcast for sure. I'm seen as a little weird in the things most people my age aren't into. But being a social outcast at this time is nearly a badge of honor for some people. He's kind of like, I don't know, Zendaya in the new Spider-Man movies. That's, she's very much the same way. I have issues, yeah. I, I know, I but that's... issues with that take on the character, but yeah. I do as well. But I just, that's what being a nerd in the more modern yeah. era I understand, is like. I understand that. These, I don't think... Uh, especially I when don't these think movies came out. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe. I still don't think they skateboard. <laughs> Especially when these movies came out. I mean, maybe they were going mm-hmm. for a little less, oh, I'm in Star Wars and uh, Marvel <laughs> or whatever is as nerdy. But being a skateboarder doesn't mean he was he wasn't nerdy. It just means yeah. he wasn't a traditional nerd in the sense. I feel like that's because this is more adapted from the Ultimate Comics line, where it was a little more yes updated version of Spider-Man. This isn't your Silver Age Peter Parker. That was more yeah. Tobey Maguire's take. This is more the take from the 2000s uh, the, for more modern audiences at the time, and even now, really. It's less timeless, but it, it works for what it was doing at the time. So that's my mm-hmm. defense of that. I'm glad uh, in one of Justin's notes he brought up the Flash scene where he's trying to console Peter. That was Because you don't really see... Uh, that's a great scene where the bully's trying to console the the bullied because he actually identifies with him there a little bit, but then Peter can't handle it. And then Flash is still just like, listen, I know it's messed up, whatever. And I just... That's like a really well-done scene. And that's one, of, and one, that's one of those scenes where I kind of look back on it and being like, that's one of those the one of the scenes that stuck with me the most because there is very smart moments in this uh yeah in this movie too like again uh him building that spot uh this <laughs> spider web in the sewer is so brilliant it just shows the brilliance of of just how smart peter is on his own um instead of everything being given to him through stark tech mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> and i think you know it's there is there's a few dumb things about it, you know, where he's shooting on a camera that says property of Peter Parker and that's how the lizard finds <laughs> out who he is. But, you know, that's that's not on him, that's just on the writing itself and no, the reason you know to get what? a really cool fight a you really cool fight that. scene in the high school. I'm gonna defend that Don't and try. say No, I will. <laughs> I'm gonna defend that and say that that moment shows that even though he's Spider Man and maybe it's a little bit of a plot convenience and he's a smart guy. He is still an irresponsible teenager who does dumb stuff like A, losing an expensive camera, and B, putting his name on it when maybe he should have thought further ahead. It just, it shows his age. Adults probably wouldn't do that, and we can look on it and be like, that's kind of dumb, but it is a mistake a teenager would make. So I can buy in. Yeah, but it's just like, it, you're just showing this like this overly smart character be super dumb and you just bring him down to like a normal person level and that's just the one thing I don't like. But it did lead to one of the best fight scenes in the movie where he's in the school and yes. he's crawling around on the lizard like a spider. Probably shows the one of the best Stan Lee cameos ever where he's just, he's on the headphones and he's flicking through vinyl and you see the chair almost hit him. And it's completely silent, or he's listening to music. Yeah, he's I think doing it's, a, the... it's a great cameo. It's one of my favorite Stanley <laughs> so cameos good. ever, for sure. For sure, it's so good. Um, uh, so one thing Justin talked to even me the about... lizard. I oh, so you you go. We'll I was just saying the lizard. the lizard. I just think the lizard is kind of an underrated villain because all all his life he's trying to like fix um a problem that is very personal to him where he's missing an arm yeah and constantly his boss is telling him you need to give up on this we're wasting too much money and then he finally finds a way to do it or he fast tracks towards it and his boss is still kind of like nah not really 
you know, I told you yeah. to shut this down, you should shut it down. And then I can understand why he's so rageful. Now, to turn everybody into a giant lizard, <laughs> which has become more memeable as it's gone on, but I can understand his motivations clearly well in this movie. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't want anybody to suffer like he has. He, he wants, in his own way, he's trying to bring peace to humanity by turning them into lizards. It's, well, I mean, that's the classic yeah. spider, it's the classic Spider-Man villain story, right? Brilliant guy who has the power to change the world, but something he does makes him go a little bit insane, and he ends up using his brilliance and technological capabilities for a really bad thing. All Spider-Man villains are basically the mirror of Peter Parker in that way, who's also this brilliant mm -hmm. kid with great power, but he chooses to use it responsibly, whereas the others use their great power irresponsibly, and that's what separates him. But there's a very fine line between Peter Parker and his villains. And I think this movie, more than many others, tries to hit that point home. He's also, he's a friend of Peter's father. He works at Oscorp as well, which is one of Peter's dream jobs. He develops all the, like, he's a mentor to him as well for most of the movie, which was also pretty cool. He they talk about scientific experiments a lot together in the movie, if I remember right. And he... Yeah, so when he finally does go full-on crazy at the end and the lizard takes him over, that's... You know, I, I feel bad for, for him and for Peter because we know he's a good guy deep mm -hmm. down. It's just... You can make an, you can make an argument that uh, the Spider-Man 2018, the video game, took some elements from this from this story because yeah. in that game you have the mentor figure be um Dr. Octavius and he's you know he's someone Peter looks up to and uh eventually you have to fight him and then when you do it's this big emotional moment and I don't remember if it's as emotional at the end of this movie uh, no. as it would be in 2018 but there's elements in there that clearly work and you understand the fight is pretty epic you see I will say the suit's a little dumb. Not the suit, but the mask. But they fixed it in Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I think looks really cool. It's and, probably the best Spider-Man suit in the second one. Yeah. And the way he, again, another amazing scene in Amazing Spider-Man 2 is when you first see him swing around at the very beginning. Looks like he's skydiving at the very beginning. You see the flaps of the suit. It's not skin tight. There's a POV shot of it, too. Really oh, wait, well that, done. That also reminds me of uh, another plus about this first Amazing Spider-Man is that all the scenes are done POV, running across the rooftops and like the first few web swinging mm -hmm. scenes. That one, I believe, ends with him hitting the glass and sticking on it. And then we see his reflection in the POV for the first time. Yeah, That stuff is awesome. And then you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, <laughs> but the whole, the whole scene, you're like, you're like, this is really awesome. But I thought and it I was love a great how way the to build up towards that too. The build-up towards that, too, he's walking behind two really smart people, and he's like, he, sh he would get better momentum if he did this, and he's kind of just listening towards... He's not walking with them, but behind them, just listening in. Yeah. I like that he lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that the director tried to find really interesting ways to differentiate his take on web swinging from Sam Raimi's. Mm -hmm. Because it felt very, yeah, it felt more grounded in a way, less 
like, okay, these feel more like real buildings and we're doing these POV shots and, oh, let's feel what it's like to be Spider-Man. It's less, oh, we're in awe of this guy swinging around the city. It's, oh, we're doing this too. And they kind of carry that mm-hmm. through in the second one, like with the skydiving and you're following that as well. So For sure. I, I also got to uh, talk about uh, the director a little bit. Well, first off, I got to say he's, you know, Mark Webb, uh, I, you know, Webb, Spider-Man movie. That joke's been made before, but I uh-huh. have to say it again. Because <laughs> I just think He got funny. hired from his name alone. Probably. <laughs> but I also think he had a really strong vision for this movie. The Sam Raimi movies were beloved rightfully so and people were very disappointed when they didn't make spider-man 4 and a reboot could have been a cash grab it could have been a dumpster fire i mean look what they did in amazing spider-man 2 they really dropped the ball there this franchise had a lot of potential but mark webb's amazing spider-man feels much like the sam raimi ones like the product of a director who had a plan in mind and this feels like, um, it doesn't feel like a studio Spider-Man movie. It feels like the a very personal story oh, yeah. told by somebody who gives a damn. Once again, unlike a lot of the rinse and repeat movies we're getting today, this feels like the vision of a person and a crew just trying to mm-hmm. make a good movie about this teenage boy who's got a lot of problems, his parents are di- His parents died, he inadvertently caused the death of his own uncle, he struggles with responsibility, he's a social outcast at school, he, you know, he struggles with girls and popularity, and he doesn't really know his place in the world, he's kind of an asshole, and doesn't really <laughs> know what he's doing, and then he gets these powers, and he's got to decide whether to be, you know, use them responsibly and do something good with them and you know kind of get over his own teen angst to contribute to the world positively or does he be like his mentors and succumb to his darkest impulses and use everything that he has to spread his misery on the rest of the world or in in their own way so it's which is the classic spider-man story but it feels personal here which i like and they make it more modernized is the thing. Just It feels like it feels like a teen movie. Uh, it, like a com- it's a coming of age story is what it is. It's not a superhero movie. It's a it's a coming of age story that happens to star Spider Man. And I think For sure. in that regard, it's executed very well. The mm-hmm. I was talking to Justin about this earlier, and we agree that the stuff with the lizard is the least compelling part of the movie. <laughs> The actual superheroing oh, yeah. is the most boring part. It's the stuff of him just being Peter Parker, learning mm-hmm. responsibility, and uh, dealing with just whatever's in his life. Yeah. That's the interesting I will thing. say, for how much I don't like the second movie, you don't get some of the best moments in No Way Home without these two movies. Oh, for I sure. mean... With the three Spider-Man talking to each other and when Andrew Garfield brings up Gwen such like a like a heart like heartbreaker moment and then when um spoilers for no way home for people who haven't seen it you know the three people in the world but when um andrew garfield spider-man saves mj and the catch that he couldn't make to gwen stacy and he tears up a little bit 
that was a huge, I don't know in your theater, but in my theater, that was a huge like stand up and clap moment. Well, yeah. not stand up, but huge clap moment. Yeah. And then you see him get a little sad and everyone's like, oh no, Emma Stone. And yeah, I just, for whatever, Andrew makes, you know, whatever, you know, all the critiques that this movie has, Andrew is probably the best actor you could have had for these types of movies. No, I'm going to double down on that and say actor. he's the best actor to have played Spider-Man. He's not my favorite yeah, Spider-Man. So good. We talked about, you know, Tom Holland is, I think, is my favorite Spider-Man. But Andrew Garfield is the best actor to have played Spider-Man. He yeah, he's acts so as, good. His acting in these movies is, you know, no offense to them. They're good in their own way. But his acting in these movies mm-hmm. is better than Tom Holland's and Tobey Maguire's, which is why in No Way Home, even with all these fan favorites, he does play the, the you know, the unloved middle child as they kind of joke. And he has the weakest adventures and he, he gets the best laughs. He, there's a lot of he takes a lot of crap even in that movie, but he outacts his co-stars and somehow comes away as the one we remember out of that one. No Way Home made me be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I want more of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. <laughs> I want him to get a miniseries on Disney Plus or Amazing Spider-Man 3 or Do you something. remember like, give me more of this guy because he's a standout. Yeah. You were like, you remember the push for it after No Way Home came out. There's been such a push for Amazing Spider-Man 3 just because how well Andrew Garfield did. And fuck was that a good month for Andrew Garfield because not only was No Way Home, but also Tick, Tick, Boom. What a great month. And he was for brilliant Andrew in Garfield. that. Just he was brilliant in Tick Tick Boom. One of my as well. favorite movies. One of my favorite movies to come out in the past like five years or so. And I still listen to the soundtrack. It's so fucking good. I love your TikTok uh, about it. That's one of my favorite ones you've done. This is music. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it? The when when everybody else leaves the car and you listen to what you really want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a great soundtrack. It is. Uh, but yeah. I think I it I know uh, we're going back on it, but the Emma Stone chemistry. I just think her version of Gwen Stacy is so good. And I think even though this is a more modernized tale, it's a very well, um, it's very well comic accurate as well. And I know it's kind of like a slip up, and it makes her not look too smart. But when, but it's a great scene between the two of them where he's like, "Okay, come help, whatever," and then he webs her hand to the car. He's like, it's okay, I'll come back for you, whatever. And then she shouts, Peter! And then covers her mouth. That's <laughs> yeah, a great moment where she's like, one of the oh, best. shit. <laughs> like, one of the best scenes in the movie. She didn't mean sure. to do that. And just their chemist, their scenes together are so good because it's not... We had this criticism where every character in an MCU movie has to be funny. But since they're both funny and they're both... and But it's not because they're both funny because they're both funny people. It's just they know each other's sense of humor very well. Yeah. And they play off each other so good. Especially, like, that broom closet scene where he's like, by the way, this is the worst spot, like, you could have, like, put us. Like, it's a broom closet. It's like, I'm sorry, and didn't take us to the Bahamas of hiding places. Like, their chemistry is so freaking good. One thing I, I do like about this movie, speaking of their chemistry, is that this movie wasn't afraid to get a little... This is probably one of the most... Uh, it contains one of the most sensual scenes in any Spider-Man movie. That scene when they're, uh, like, when they're in her bedroom together at her at her house mm-hmm. most spider-man movies or most superhero movies shy away from sexy scenes like that but that scene just kind of lets them be horny teenagers together which <laughs> once again it just shies away from uh, a, a lot of the time yeah. i'm like oh so you know once again this is a coming of age this is a coming of age drama mm-hmm. and they feel like a real high school couple they're kind of 
sneaking around and oh, worried somebody might I walk think, in uh, on them. And... Yeah, and her dad, uh, played by Dennis Quaid, does a brilliant job too. Kind of the he doesn't like Spider Man, but he also really doesn't like Peter too because he yeah. kind of sees him at the moment as kind of this cocky teenager just trying to just you know smush on uh on Gwen, but also he's just being a protective father and. His death scene was pretty impactful, where he's like, just leave Gwen out of it. Like, that's just such a, like, a dad moment, too, where he doesn't really care what happens to him, but he cares so much about his daughter, and no, he doesn't uh, do as he wish, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I think Dennis Quaid does a brilliant job. Oh, I think he, yeah, he's a really good, George Stacy is a pretty interesting character in that. I, uh, Mm -hmm. if I remember right, there's that scene that Justin referenced there about the the dinner party scene when Peter's at Gwen's house. And I remember that scene being about George Stacy's just bashing on Spider-Man the whole time and Peter's mm-hmm. trying to, like, put up a half-hearted defense to it because he, he's just Meanwhile, they're eating like, a, eating, like, a very, like, famous, um, or not famous, but very, like, rich food where it's, like, a fish and he doesn't really know how to eat it. So he's very yeah. out of his element right now, but he kind of, I in in the way I look at, it, I feel like Dennis um, Dennis Quaid's uh, character kind of respects Peter in that sense a little bit because he can stand up to him in an environment where he does he's not comfortable in in his own house when he he's there he's an absolute mess he's an he's like hair's all messed up he you know um yeah so there, I agree with you where the actual Spiderman stuff is the least compelling things in this movie which is i guess some of the criticism goes but just as it makes you care about these characters more and the surroundings around them although speaking of spider-man moments two of my favorite spider-man moments of all time come from this movie the one when they're the lizard is attacking a bridge and there's a car that falls off Mm. the bridge and then peter catches the car and when he's about to save these this uh, mother and son. The son's scared of Peter in the mask, so he takes off the mask and gives it to the kid just to make him feel better and safer. And that's one of the turning points in the movie where he finally starts not just saving people because he can, but actually trying to be an inspiration and a hero to the citizens of New York. So that's a yeah. great that's a great Spider-Man moment and a character turning scene. The other one is at the very end of the movie when he's going to stop the lizard and all of New York has pretty much been against Spider-Man this whole movie. They see him as a criminal, the, you know, George Stacy, the cops, they don't like him. They're after him. He's gotten nothing but hate, but now he's sort of seen as a potential hero to save the day. And like in the Sam Raimi movies, you see New York finally come together for Spider-Man in a one for all and all for one sort of moment where they, (laughs) They take the cranes out, and it's like, okay, let's cut him. He's injured. We, he can't get there. Let's give him a path. And they bring the cranes out in the perfect line for Spider-Man to go. Like, that's a fantastic moment. One of my all-time favorite Spider-Man moments. Two great moments, yeah. You can always find in each Spider-Man film, you can always find something good in them, which is, you know, it's, 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 which is a good thing. You know, there's, I don't think there's been a Spider-Man movie to date that it's just been blatantly terrible. There's some I don't like, but I don't think it's like there's all you can always find yeah. some good stuff in them. Like even the said, shittiest. Even Amazing <laughs> like, Spider-Man 2 has the death of Gwen Stacy scene. 
Yeah. Which I like that Done scene. So well. That scene probably beats out most of the stuff in this movie, and I like this movie quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Uh, so what did you th- know that when the clock stops on the time, it's a reference to the comic book number? Anyway, <sighs> that's very. You ever see those like YouTube shorts where it's like, "Did you know in Spider-Man: No Way Home?" They've just been popping like up those... in my feed recently. <laughs> they pop up everywhere. I don't know why. And then there's always the joke ones where it's like, did you know in Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr.'s character becomes Iron Man? Like, it's, wow. the, it's the joke ones that, like, make fun of it because they're so popular and just everywhere. I saw a really funny one uh, that popped up just to get on a slight tangent. So it said uh, Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather, never wrote a screenplay before The Godfather. And so he wrote The Godfather 1 and 2, which both won Oscars or got huge acclaim and so then after he wrote those two movies he's like well you know maybe i should learn how to do screenwriting after all so he took out a screenwriting book and in the first chapter it said study the godfather (laughs) that's pretty funny yeah oh i hope that's true i hope so too i i didn't i should fact check (laughs) but i like the story it's a funny joke even if it's not true man uh, Would so you, what, you've played. What have I played? Sorry, go ahead. No, you like you played. You've played the other. You said you've played the Spider-Man game, but not Miles Morales. Correct. Correct. If we were including that as well, would you put that in the top five? I gotta relook at my top five. Because I take out Homecoming. Yeah, I might bump Homecoming. I might even put it above No Way Home. It might be my fourth favorite. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Somewhere in there. I think it would make top five. Sure. It's crazy because that game is really good, but I, cause I, I didn't take breaks in between, but I had to play it after working shifts. And it's just, it's a really long game. Like in terms of story. Yeah. But, and Miles Morales is like so quick. It's, it's insane. You can probably bust out Miles Morales in a day or two. If that's what you were dedicated on. Because it's a glorified DLC, really. It's a really good game, though. It's, it's a, a DL- well-crafted story. It's basically a DLC long enough that they released it as its own title and could make a crap ton of money from... Not to crap on the game, because well, I, I haven't played it, but mm. like that's basically what it is. I think you'd love it. Oh, I'm sure I, I, I will. I think you'd love it. I, I'll... I'll get around to the. It was you know. one of the. It was one of the launch titles for PlayStation Five. So I assume yeah. I don't know if it was rushed a bit, but there's a lot of, um, skills and costumes that I think you well not costumes but skills and gadgets that you can only get in New Game Plus. So it's meant mm. to be played uh twice, which okay. I should go back and play because I had fun playing it. <laughs> so one more point I got about the Amazing Spider-Man. Another one I was talking about with Justin. He loved the way. Uh, Uncle Ben was portrayed in this. Specifically, the the two things that we agree that were really good about it were that Peter, like we said, is kind of a jerk in this one, especially in the first half of the movie. He's a really rough-around-the-edges kid who is a little bit edgy. His parents died, and it messed him up pretty bad, and he's kind of from a poor family, and his aunts and uncles loves him, but he's he's just kind of a troubled kid, even though he's smart. But 
Uncle Ben calls him out on his shit a lot. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where he gets uh he gets a black eye or something and Uncle Ben's like, Yeah, I, I I've been in a fight before, don't lie to me. I like what are you doing? Why are you what are you getting in fights for? What's happening? And Aunt May is a little bit oblivious. She clearly doesn't have that kind of relationship like Peter had with Ben. Ben understood him and called him out on his crap way more. So then after they die after he dies, Peter and Aunt May don't really know how to get along with each other without him because they never really had that good a relationship. And I think that just makes the Peter Parker's dynamic with Aunt May and Uncle Ben a lot more interesting to have it show that he didn't really have that great a relationship with Aunt May, but she's the guardian he was left with. So, so Uncle Ben and Aunt May are handled really interesting in this movie too. It's mm-hmm. a it's a take I enjoy. Yeah, I feel like Sally Field is kind of underutilized though in these two movies. She's get, yeah. she's given good great moments, but she's not utilized as much as the Sam Raimi one was. But Martin Sheen's a great Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm, for sure. Even though like the responsibility speech is jumbled up because they didn't want to be too similar to the original. Look, they but, did uh, it even. They did. You know, it he even does worse. it. He does a good job. They did it even worse in the Tom Holland ones until they did it well. There was, I don't remember if it was in Civil War or Homecoming, where there was an even wordier version of it. Where, okay, I got to I don't think he ever got the, I don't think he ever got the responsibility speech before No Way Home. Give me a sec. So in the Sam Raimi one, Uncle Ben just says, with great power comes great responsibility. In Mm -hmm. The Amazing Spider-Man, Uncle Ben says, your father lived by a philosophy, a principle really. He believed that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not a choice, responsibility. And then in Civil War, they were like, when you can do the things that I can, but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. Oh, that doesn't count. I know, but that's the best we had. That doesn't count. That's the best we had before No Way Home. (laughs) That That was their version of it before No Way Home. That doesn't count. Uh Okay. That was a good moment. That was a good moment in No Way Home where where it's kind of a twist where Aunt May says it, which yeah. kind of got a small clap in my theater. I thought that was awesome. But it, the, you see you see some reactions like online where she's like begins to say it and then I I think it's some theater overseas but they're like yeah just screaming nonstop. It's like, "Oh my god." Like it's mm-hmm. not That was such an emotional moment in the theater. For that sure. That scene alone. Okay, I'm about ready to wrap up. You have any more to say? Uh, go watch all the Spider-Mans and play all the games. <laughs> Especially a television show. Especially spectacular, <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I yeah. I don't know how else to say it. It brings in all the all all the great villains. Brings in Craven the Hunter. Brings in you know, Mysterio when he's not a Stark villain. It's. <laughs> I want to see Craven's Listen, last as much hunt. stuff. Give me Craven's I like last MCU. Hunt. I like Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man. Well, I just don't like how all the villains are basically Stark ones. I just think they're, it's just kind of like it's cheap. He's just clean up crew for Stark a lot in the MCU. Well, that's why No Way Home was awesome because they were finally all Spider-Man villains. Like actually. Exactly. Exactly. 
And like so, you can argue that you can argue that uh, Electro was kind of stark because of the impulsor or the um energy he gets was from an arc reactor, but that's vague. a bit of a stretch. So yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man but, 3, Amazing Spider-Man 1, both underrated movies. Definitely not as bad as mm-hmm. society would have you believe. And that's not just us stretching. Nope. We genuinely believe they're good. If not above yeah. average, at the very minimum. They're very good. There's a reason that the black suit Spider-Man is iconic in, in our generation. I think it's because of Spider-Man 3. Definitely. I love that in the video game yeah. Spider-Man 3, you could switch the suits anytime you wanted. That was always fun to me. Yeah. It's always so, fun. It's always, it's tough in the Spider-Man game because... I found myself trying to think, all right, which Spider-Man suit do I want to just play fully? And for a while, I just did the Tobey Maguire suit. And then I was just kind of like, but you can't see the eye movements through the cut scenes. And that's kind of a staple for this game. And then I just found myself switching in between a lot of suits, but then just near the end, just wearing the original one that they made for the game with the, the white spider all over it. Because it is a pretty, I didn't like it at first. But then later on, I fell in love with it. And then finally, I, when completing the whole game, I unlocked the uh, Into the Spider-Verse suit, and I've just been wearing that. Nice. I did the Tobey Maguire suit for just the end bit. I saved that one for, like, mm. the last chunk of the game. Interesting. Yeah. I, say, I have a save oh, the a best for last mentality. It's my favorite one. So, well, I mean, to, okay. The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is my favorite movie suit. But the Tobey Maguire one's got a lot of nostalgia. I think to Toby, it. I think Tobey Maguire suit's way better. Personally, I just I'm, it might be nostalgia, but I just think it's so iconic. For sure, I like the the raised webbing is what makes that one. Yeah, that one makes it so good. It looks it anyway, pops more on well, screen. Hundred percent. And even like even in No Way Home, you see him on screen and with like modern technology. You're like, yeah, he looks yeah. so good. For sure. <laughs> he looks amazing. Like Tom Holland's suit well, is like the the webbing is like flat, so he always looks like CGI mm-hmm. even when he's wearing. Yeah, the suit. and they they're so obsessed with like cutting out his um uh, like wrinkles on when he takes the mask off. You know how like the others have like that that yeah. natural fold on the suit. In the Tom Holland one, they're so obsessed with just flattening that down and making it look skin tight. I don't know why. He it looks fake. It just looks off. Yeah. It looks off. It looks fake. And I don't really like most of the Tom Holland suits except the Homecoming one, if I'm being honest. Like, that's really the only one I like. However, we haven't seen the new one. the mixed up one, the new one, which from what we saw, I think looks amazing. But yeah, I can't wait to see what they do. Nothing's been announced, but uh, who knows? Anyway, it's all a big what happens. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll uh, web this up. It's a bit of a stretch. You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on Instagram and on TikTok and on YouTube. I'm starting to stream every Thursday now, going through Jedi Fallen Order right now, trying to get a little bit of hype going for Jedi Survivor. So please subscribe to that channel as well. You'll just find it at youtube.com slash at Ryan Walker Official, spelt the same way, all lowercase. Yeah, we'll have some fun over there. I was just watching a stream the other day. It's entertaining. Go watch it. You can find Thanks, me on man. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thought Play Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? 
We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe, where we defend Zack Snyder's DC Universe. Till next time. I'm put some dirt in your eye.